Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Uncorked with Funny Wine Girl. This is Funny Wine Girl, aka Janine Luby, and I'm going to apologize in advance. I've got some kind of thing going on today with my throat, so I will try my best not to keep clearing it, but just a heads up. Um, But I'm so excited, as I always say about my guests, because I am fortunate to get to meet a lot of wonderful people, especially, as I always like to say, especially wonderful women. Uh, The past few weeks on my podcast, I've been uh, kind of focusing on local people. So we had some history with Julie Esty, with Stephanie Longo, the Italian heritage. Um, last week, uh, we had the our, the Scranton project, our, our uh, Scranton story, our nation story. So that's an awesome project to learn more about that will be going on for the next year. So we really have a great local thing going on. And I'm going to continue that this week and also continue that October is Uh, Italian American Heritage Month. And you heard my guest two weeks ago, Stephanie Longo, talk about that. She's written books on history. Uh, She has her connection to Italy. And so today's guest also has uh, that connection as well. And I also often like to, if I remember, of course, like to say how I know people before I get started, because I think it is so important that we connect with one another. I know the pandemic, we kind of went on online, but now that we're getting back out there, we're doing networking. And it's just so great because you never know how people are going to come into your life, how you can help them, how they can help you. So today's guest, I actually met through my friend, Tina Gallagher, who you've heard from. She has been a guest on here at least twice. She is a romance novelist and someone that I edit and proofread her work. Uh, So she's a client and a friend, and she introduced me to our next guest. And our next guest is an author as well with an Italian connection. And I'm so excited to talk to her about her recent trip and what books she's got out now and what's coming up. So I would like to welcome this week's guest, Cecilia Mecca. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. This is so fun. I'm excited to be here. And I love wine. And so it's perfect, perfect pairing. <laughs> yes. They, and I'm glad you brought that up because it's so funny. People think when they hear, oh, uncorked a funny wine girl. I probably don't even talk about wine like in half of my podcasts, but it's nice to bring it up from time to time because it right? is good. <laughs> yeah. And it's a good title. I love it. So I just wanted to throw that out there as well. I mean, just for nothing. Yeah. Can I ask you before we get into the, the meat of the topic, what is your favorite wine? What do you like to drink? So typically red, I will do either Pinot Noir or Cab. That's pretty much my, my wine of choice. Um, I graduated, you know, as a Pinot Grigio, not graduated because I shouldn't say graduated from white to red, but, you know, on a trip to Napa last year, I really was a white wine drinker and then was kind of forced into trying some of the reds. I was like, oh, I don't really love them. And um, they kind of broke me in with the Chianti. And then by the end of the trip, like I'm full on, you know, I almost never drink white wine anymore. So yeah, I was, I was, I was turned in Napa. <laughs> it's so funny you say that. Cause I had another guest say Pinot Noir was like her training wheels. Uh, so mm-hmm. they, you know, I guess, and it's and you know what, honestly, as I like to say, people drink whatever you want to drink. I mean, there was sure. a time when it's embarrassing to drink out of wine from a box, all this stuff, or without a cork and a, a screw cap, but all of that is changing and it's accessible. So it's like, do whatever you want, because I love white wines. I really love like uh, Vidal Blanc, Sauvignon Blanc, Gewürztraminer, and I'll do occasional reds, but like in the winter time, but I just, I wish I liked reds more because I think they're better for you and they have less sugar. So I really wish I could graduate to them. (laughs) Yeah. They say that they're, they're, they're good for you. And I just kind of don't delve into, you know, how much I should be drinking. That's good for me. And just kind of go with, yeah, they say it's good for me. So I do it, (laughs) but I also do, I'm the same exact opposite. 
I love white wine in the summer. I feel like I should be drinking white wine in the summer. And then basically as soon as September hits, I'm like, okay, we're back to, we're back to red. So, but yeah, drink what you like. Absolutely. Just like the clothes. Okay. Let's put the white pants away and the white wine (laughs) (laughs) for some people. (laughs) Exactly. So let's talk about, so I don't even know where to begin because it's a lot of excitement going on. You spent, you had a really fun trip uh, with your family to Italy and you are Italian. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how that trip came about? Like what is your Italian Mm -hmm. heritage and, and what led to that trip? And tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So my grandfather is, both of my grandparents are from Italy. My grandfather, great-grandfather is from Sicily. And so, you know, we kind of live the Italian-American, I guess you could say, culture here in Northeast PA and, you know, have a big Italian family and get together on Sunday for lasagna, all of that kind of thing. Um, But it really kind of started in, well, my, my cousin was married in Italy a few years back. And so we knew we wanted to go back and I've been there, you know, maybe five times or so. My sister uh, did some school there in Florence. It was during COVID when my mother had just retired from the medical field and she was looking for kind of something to do during COVID, a project per se. And so she said, you know, I know you can get your Italian citizenship through uh, San Juris, they call it, basically by, by blood, if you have kind of certain conditions, um, being, you know, from Italy, have ancestors from Italy, and as long as they didn't renounce their citizenship before, you know, becoming, there, there's kind of some conditions. So she looked into it, found out that she could do this. And I said, well, I'm going to ride on your coattails, right? And just do it with you. Um, if you're paying to have these documents translated and doing all of this, like shove my birth certificate there and boom. So she it was her project. Uh, so we got to the end of the pandemic. Everything had gone through, but Philly Consulate was closed and it may, maybe it still is for so long. They said by the time it reopened, it would take years, which isn't a big deal. We don't plan to live there. You know, maybe if there's like a, you know, she was also obsessed with the villas that you could get for a dollar and all of that. And I'm not sure that's the way to go, but, you know, maybe kind of extended vacations there in the winter, things like that. Um, So it wasn't a super rush, but if you do have a citizenship or get citizenship before, for me, my kids are 18 then they will automatically get it without any paperwork, without having to do or much paperwork at all. So she said, you know, you're going to Italy on a writer's retreat in June. What if we stayed there? You stayed there and I came and brought the kids and you and your dad, you know, me and my dad uh, came over and we just do the citizenship there and establish residency and stay there for an extended period. And then basically bypass the consulate in Philly and just kind of finish the process. And so I was like, well, I can, I'm an author. My husband works here. So he only came out for a week, but I was like, sure. My mom was retired. I was an author. The kids, you know, not super thrilled. They're both teens in high school, but I was like, we're going to Italy for six weeks. They're like, oh, (laughs) do we have to? And so that's how we ended up um, in Italy for about six or a little over six weeks this summer, which was absolutely amazing to be able to not just go there to vacation, but we had an apartment. We got to know the locals, especially in Sicily and where we were in Sicily for a chunk of the time, you know, there was no English. It was like full on just immersed into the culture. So it was really, really interesting and and a lot of fun. And so I know that uh, Tina took uh, Italian lessons before she went. She was doing it at a college, I think Northampton. And then you guys had a really cool opportunity uh, in Pittston, right? With a gentleman that owns an Italian uh, winery and you were getting some like uh, basically some lessons from him, I think, right? Yes. <clears throat> Sorry about that. I'm, I'm a little bit of a cough. I, I completely <laughs> understand. 
Sorry, <clears throat> wrong way. So Vito's Wine Cellar in Pittston, he is absolutely amazing. I would recommend him, <clears throat> excuse me, to anyone. And um, we did some Italian lessons. I did some lessons online. And <clears throat> we basically knew nothing. I mean, I don't want to speak for Tina because she was amazing. But by the time I went, even though I did months and months of it, I couldn't believe how hard it was as an adult to learn it. So I knew enough to order my red wine and I knew enough to get by, but we did. I, I didn't want to go there and just, you know, be like, here's the American, you know, just speak, speak English to me. And I, I wanted to try to do my best. Um, it was a lot harder than I expected. And Vito was so patient with us. And we, you know, basically got to the point, I think, one of the most valuable things, even though I didn't go there and all of a sudden, you know, was able to speak Italian, which I kind of was hoping I could do a little more of it. Um, being with him and listening to the accent, I think by the time we went there, we could recognize a little bit more of the language and speak, you know, maybe with just a little bit better of a intonation from having heard it from him. Um, and, you know, I just love Vito and the wine cellar is there that you, people could go and drink and his wine is amazing, but he's from Italy. And he just did the class because, you know, a bunch of people were asking, you know, could we possibly do this as a, as a lesson? And so I think he had about 15 people there for a bunch of weeks and it was amazing. So it really was. So we tried to prepare ourselves, but by the time I got there, I literally landed, got off the plane. I was like, Tina, do you remember anything? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do anything but order wine. And she's like, well, then we could, we could say hello, goodbye. Can I please have some red wine? <laughs> You, you got the most important stuff, right? <laughs> get exactly, to where you need to exactly. go, get your glass of wine. Exactly. I, I agree with you on the whole, like, you know, you don't <laughs> want to be that person. Like I'm an American talk to me in, because when I, my dream trip was France and I've been able to go there three or four mm -hmm. times. Uh, and I, first time I was like, I had taken French in high school and in college. I mean, I wasn't great by any means, but I wanted to try to speak it. And I'm like, I'm not going sure. over there with this attitude that you need to change for me. I should be trying to speak your language. Absolutely. And I just loved it. And I honestly had the best time. So I agree with you on that. I, I think it's it. great. Did you find that you were getting more comfortable the longer <laughs> you stay there? Absolutely. You know, I have videos of like the kids. Um, I have a ninth and a 10th grader. So by the time we left, they were ordering in Italian. They, you know, could understand a little bit of it. It was, it was really neat. And I could see where, you know, that experience for them had just kind of opened them up a little bit. Even my son is now interested in traveling to other places. And so uh, I feel grateful to have, have had that opportunity and it's something I definitely want to do again. But yeah, we, by the time we left, I was like, right, I'm, I'm ready to move here. I, you know, they said, a lot of people thought, well, oh, six weeks, that's so long. And I did too, when I first left, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna be home for six weeks. It feels long. And I was actually a little nervous about it. But you know, sometimes you're on vacation, especially for a long one. And you say, okay, I'm ready to go home though. You know, and I feel like I'm ready to, you know, unpack my bags and be home. I wasn't ready. I could have just stayed there. It was just so magical. The people, the culture. Um, I was in Tuscany for a week with Tina. We did a writing retreat. That was absolutely beautiful. I'm sure she told you a bit about that. It was it was magical. But then being in Sicily, there was just something about it. I I felt not to be weird. I felt like I was coming home. And the people were so kind. Even when they I couldn't speak a lick of English. My my stepdad knows um, Spanish. And so he was, at first I thought he was speaking full on Italian everywhere we went. I was so impressed. I said, you did the same app as me. How are you able to get along everywhere? And he's like, well, I've been kind of speaking mostly Spanish, but the little Italian mixed in. I was like, son of a gun. Here I thought, <laughs> I had no idea. Um, but so he got us along. People were just so wonderful, but just that like 
a little bit more laid back lifestyle, right? So, you know, every day in it's, it's, I've never been to Spain, but they say it's very similar where they, in the afternoon, it's just kind of a siesta lifestyle at, at noon. You, you don't see anybody on the street. Everyone is kind of, which I can understand. It was hotter than Hades in the summer in Sicily in the middle of the afternoon, but people just kind of, you know, went back rested and did their thing. And then they started drinking wine at noon. I'm like, I can really get used to this, you know? <laughs> um, and it did feel like when I, after so long there, almost coming back to a rat race, um, especially being in the Northeast, I think. And, and I could see a value in kind of taking a deep breath and stepping back. I'm not good at it. I've kind of gone right back into a seven day a week work mode. Um, but I do try to remind myself, I, I have done the, like bringing wine a little bit more often into my life back. <laughs> No, I said, well, that's I, good. <laughs> yeah. Did you adjust at all? Like, did you bring any of your, you know, all the really healthy, amazing things we were eating back with you? I'm like, well, I drink more wine. Does that count? I don't know if that counts, but <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. It was, the, it's just a great lifestyle. And the people were so kind that um, I could have stayed. I really could have. I, I hope someday to go back, you know, multiple times for an extended period if possible. That's, that's the dream. That's awesome. And I do mm-hmm. think, I forget who I was talking to recently. We were talking about, healthcare issues or or illnesses here in the United States and different things. And I think Europeans just have a different way of living. Uh, And I'm not saying all, obviously there are parts of of Europe that, you know, they have the hustle bustle too, but where they can appreciate, they could slow down better and appreciate food, life, family, and just not miss out on those opportunities. So I think that's great. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. I actually, I mean, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I went and ate, I'm not a fish person and Sicily is a lot of fish, it's an island, right? So it's fish, pasta, pizza. For me, it was mostly pasta pizza. And that's what I ate for six weeks and a lot of gelato and I drank a lot of wine and I came back, I was shocked that I had lost almost five pounds. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they talk about like the whole low carb, whatever. And I'm obviously not giving any diet advice or nutritional advice, but I will say there is something to it. I mean, yes, I walked a lot, but I think, I don't know, the fresh ingredients or exactly what it is, the lower, port, smaller portions. Um, I just love the lifestyle. And I came back, gained it right back. And I was like, oh, you know, and I tried to kind of eat like more fresh and just different ways, but it's, um, it's really, it's, it's hard to kind of replicate what they had here, you know, back here, Northeast PA. I'm yeah. back to eating chicken cheesesteaks on Friday. I mean, it just is what it is. <laughs> Yeah. I had a friend who went and loved the trip and she said kind of the same thing where it's like, you know, the food is fantastic, but you're like getting smaller portions. And I said, well, maybe is it too, that they don't use processed foods like we do here in America. That's gotta be a big part of it. Right. Yeah. That is a big part of it. I think. Yeah. So I liked that uh, bit of it as well, for sure. Did you, and you said you felt like you know, like you were home, which makes sense. I mean, that's your, your heritage, your roots. Do you see, uh, what do you see for the future? And then I want to talk to you about your books, but what do you see for your future? You want to visit you ever, you don't ever see yourself living there or maybe retiring there or I I couldn't, I would never say never. Um, I wouldn't want to be too far from my kids. So I can't imagine me being Italy and having my kids here. Um, I did, you know, one of the, the woman who arranged our retreat, she is from Ireland and she moved her whole family there and they went with her. So, Hey, if they ever wanted to come with me, maybe <laughs> you never know. Um, but the, I, I will never say no, but more realistic maybe is, you know, having kind of an extended vacation there being able to, when my husband retires or I don't think I'll ever retire with the books, but I'll always be writing. Um, but maybe we're at, when we're at a place that we could go for, you know, do that every year, a month or six weeks. And, 
have the kids kind of come. I, I told them, you know, you guys can go to school here if you have Italian citizenship and it's a lot less expensive. And they're like, but mom, we don't actually speak or write Italian. I was like, well, that is a problem, but <laughs> that would be so cool. So I'm trying to convince them of that now. I'm like, you should learn. So they're not buying it. They're not having anything of like, we want to go to school there, but I, I'm going to push them into, not force them, but I'll, I'll definitely kind of expose them into like an exchange over there and kind of, you know, I, I, the woman at the retreat again, she met an American from Rome who was kind of cleaning the pool and he was, we were talking to him a lot and we were like, how did you end up with Lucia kind of here, you know, living here for the summer? And she said, oh, we met in Rome at university. So I said, that's really kind of cool. I'll have to look into that kind of thing for my kids. And again, with whether they'll do it or not, you know, who knows, but yeah, I would like to make it a part of our lives in some way. And I'm not hundred percent sure what that looks like, but I could foresee if nothing else, a yearly trip there at some point, you know, definitely going back already for the retreat. I mean, I was looking at houses while I was there, so, <laughs> but I think that's there you a go. little far off. I think that's a little <laughs> far off. So who knows? We'll kind of see what, you know, where the kids go and where life takes me, but I think it'll definitely take me back to Italy in some, in some way for sure. Yeah, that's great. Uh, now, are you someone and your mom, like I know you said you're, you do the, the family dinners are important every Sunday. Yes. Do you have those traditions already, even before you went like, so that's, is that how much yeah. would you say your heritage is a part of your life here in Northeast PA? I mean, I would say a big part of it, to be honest with you, I was surprised. You know, I kind of think of these as more American traditions that we happen to be Italian, but you know, some of these things that I see in my own family, I saw kind of play out over in Italy. And I was like, wow, you know, it, we really are. I'm three generations. My mom is two. We're really not that far removed. And so I would say it's a big part of it, to be honest with you. And, and mostly just that family, you know, is, is number one. We went, one of the um, things we did at the last week, we kind of toured Sicily um, and we had some extended family, you know, came over and met us. And we had like a little bus. So there was 15 of us that kind of did a whole tour of Sicily and, and it was a lot of fun, but we went to the, the town and I had been there once before where my uh, great grandfather was from. It's called Caltabalota and it's just like a little town in, in Italy. And they, the mayor came to the bus to meet us. It was like this big deal that there were piazzas, that's my family name, were here to visit. We were able to meet actually not a piazza, but on my grandmother's side, she's also from Sicily. She's a grotto. So we met um, a woman who was, you know, from the family and it really, like I said, it did, it almost felt like it was, it was like they were family and welcomed us into the town, into the restaurant, you know, sat us down for dinner. And I was like, hmm, it feels like I could be in Greenridge having, you know, Christmas Eve dinner here. <laughs> yeah. So it was really cool. That's awesome. That is wonderful. Now you mentioned, and I know Tina and I, when I had Tina on, she talked a little bit about the writer's retreat mm -hmm. and that's how Tina, her purpose for going to Italy was uh, in Tuscany, right? For this retreat. Yes. So I know Tina shared a little bit. Uh, she loved the connections, meeting other authors. Tell me a little bit about your experience and then we'll get into uh, the books uh, that you've got that are in inspired by Italy or kind of, yeah. you know, include that as part of, of what you're, you're writing about. Yeah, so we went to a place called um, La Dogna, which is Italian for, um, let me think of the exact word. It's a customs house. Yes, and it's right, it was right, it, I try to explain this to my friends, there's really no good translation, but an agriturissimo is, maybe we, we would think of a bread and breakfast, but much bigger on a bigger scale. 
so it's this place that, you know, there's multiple houses that look like kind of villas, I guess, right on the border of Tuscany and Umbria. So the original building was actually the customs house going between the two regions. So from, from Tuscany to Umbria and back. So it's quite literally on the border. And, you know, there's multiple buildings. She runs, Lucia is the woman who owns it and she inherited it from her father. And it's a, it's a family kind of estate. She runs the whole thing. She welcomes groups. They do writer's retreats, yoga retreats, or just, you know, welcome weddings, things like that. Um, and I think individuals too, although she's booked, you know, way, way far out. And it's on what's called a Lake Trasimeno. And it's this uh, beautiful kind of lake, like I said, on the border of Tuscany and Umbra. I mean, it is, sounds as nice as it is. And it's perfectly positioned to do day trips. So one day we would write, the next day we would do a day trip and go to Spello, which was beautiful. And then write, and then the next day we went to Multipulciano, like the wine and had wine, a picnic wine. So I'm like, whose life is this? I'm sitting here drinking Montepulciano in Montepulciano. You know, it was absolutely amazing. Um, and the reason that was able to happen, there's a woman who, she writes fiction. She's from Ireland and she plans weddings in Italy. That is her day job. Don't ask me how she got involved in that, but that's what she does, mostly for people in Ireland and in, in England. And so she'll do destination weddings in Italy. So she got to know Lucia. And through that, she said, oh, you know, We've done a lot of weddings here. What if I bring some of my writer friends and we do a retreat? And it was the first time she had done that. They do a lot of yoga retreats, but never a writer's retreat. And so we had that. And now it's basically going to be a yearly thing. She's doing two next year. And uh, it's great because she's an event planner. So she had this thing, you know, down to a science every day that we had an excursion. She got us picked up and um, Rosie's pretty incredible. And I think now she's basically retiring from the wedding planning business so I said, you should just do this and, and have retreats. People would come and it's, you know, just such a beautiful place. And it, it really is inspiring to kind of wake up, open your you know, shutters and then look out and there's Tuscany. It's like, yeah, I can, I can write to this <laughs> easily. <laughs> Yeah, like you said, whose life is this, right? Whose life is this? Like, how did I get so? I mean, I was an eighth grade English teacher, you know, standing up in front of 15 year girls trying to explain to them that Shakespeare was awesome. And I loved my job. I loved being an educator. But yeah, this is, it's hard to compare the two, you know? <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. I know yeah. I had a bus, Tina, because she went there. She was home briefly and then was headed off to her writers, I guess, conference yeah. or workshop in London. And I'm like, oh, excuse London. us, miss. Do you have time for us people in Northeast PA? She was all over the place. Well, talking right? about international, you know? I know. I missed that conference because I had to, I had to, I had headed out to Sicily. So we're going to hope to do that next year. Go to both conferences. It'll be fun. So what did you, uh, what inspired, what did uh, this inspiration, let's say in Italy, what, what came of that for you? Yeah, so um, I actually write in two genres. And so there was a lot of inspiration for me. People ask all the time, probably my number one question as an author, I, I'm asked like, where do you come up with the ideas? Or do you run, are you worried about run, running out of ideas? Or how do you get, like the ideas are so easy. Once you start looking, they come from everywhere, just daily life. And especially when you travel. So I had so many ideas that I don't think I'll live long enough to be able to write them. That's the problem. Um, and I write in two genres. One is Cecilia Mecca. And for that, I write um, medieval, Scottish, and English historical romance. So kind of think outlander type stuff. And then my other is a pen name, Bella Michaels, which is my two kiddos. And 
that is a contemporary pen name. So that I write uh, kind of steamy small town romance. So mostly set in Pennsylvania because I know it. I have my new series is set in the Finger Lakes because I know it well enough, right? It's like a vineyard owning, Italian family, vineyard owning. I mean, you can imagine the inspiration I got while I was over there um, on the Finger Lakes. And so I kind of got both because for Cecilia, you know, we went to castles and I, have, I love the history. I don't write Italian history, but there are certainly pieces that, you know, everywhere we went, for instance, we went to a town, I forget the name, and they had a medieval festival happening. Rosie said, look, I ordered this for you. I mean, literally it was a medieval festival the day we were there in this Italian town. And so, I mean, I was taking videos and I knew immediately, I said, this is a wedding ceremony. You know, they had like a kind of pretend medieval wedding ceremony where they paraded both families in and then they had the banners. And so for me, I was able to take a video and now I'm describing that in my own writing, even though I'm writing an English scene, um, you know, a lot of it kind of crosses over and I could see it. I can imagine this little medieval walled town and the families coming in with their banners and they're about to get married. Uh, it was, you know, it couldn't have been more perfect. And then on the Bella side for the contemporary, I mean, I have ideas already that I want to write just being there and seeing the wineries and, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. And I'm married, so full disclosure, my husband already knows the story, but we were in Multipulciano for a picnic lunch. And um, we were, Tina can tell you, we were sitting in basically the fields. Like, so you go to this place and they walk you up, uh, you know, a big stone steps and you sit basically kind of in the fields and you're looking out and it's in Tuscany, it's beautiful. And then you're like, well, this is a picnic lunch. Where's the wine? Where's the, well, these two handsome Italian boys come trekking up the hill with picnic bags, baskets filled with wine and cheese and all of the stuff for our lunch. I was like, well, there you go. I took the picture. <laughs> I was like, guess who's going to be in the next romance? I mean, and all of the women there that write romance, I mean, they're all had their cameras out taking a picture of these guys. Poor guys were like, I'm, we're just trying to bring you guys wine, you know? Um, <laughs> they didn't know how inspiring they were, right? <laughs> they had no idea that they were about to become, you know, part of our books. Exactly. So, uh, so that was easy, especially because I'm writing right now a vineyard series. So, you know, I have a scene that I wrote inspired by the trip where the hero goes of the um, story I'm writing on a quick trip, you know, back to, because they have family in Italy, supposedly. So they, he goes back and spends two weeks there because he's the venture, he's the winemaker for the family. And so he goes back and, you know, is inspired and that kind of thing. Um, it wasn't hard to find inspiration for either the Cecilia or the Bella books at all, to be honest. I, I can only imagine. I mean, there's just the beauty that you'd see, or like you said, the culture and the people like that, that mm -hmm. has to be wonderful. It's funny you mentioned, cause then whenever I'm with Tina and like, if I do a comedy show, sometimes I've done, had Tina talk about her books afterwards or whatever, the same thing, as you mentioned, people are like, Oh, where do you get your ideas from? And I have to, not to sound like a, an asshole here, but I like for me, because I'm a creative type and I do write yeah. like my comedy and stuff. I like, I agree. Like the ideas are everywhere. Um, yeah. But we're not all, I guess, trained to think that way. So really, I think the biggest thing is being observant. You know what I mean? That's, and you know, David Sedaris, mm -hmm. who I love, a satirical uh, writer, he's like, they're everywhere. You just have to be observant. Like, pay attention to people, pay attention to, you know, how you feel, like everything, just observe. And I think the ideas, like you said, there's probably yeah. so many that you'll never even get to because there's so many ideas that pop up. <clears throat> yeah, there's just too many. And I, I've seen that advice and it's great advice. I mean, I'm to the point where I was thinking when I was there, you know what, I actually need a writer's notebook. I, I know I have my phone, but there might be something to it. And I haven't gotten it yet, but that's something I should do. 
And I might literally be one of those, you know, <laughs> writer types who's walking around with a notebook. I don't want to be creepy, right? And be, I get a lot of girls trip ideas. I go on a lot of girls trips. I love, you know, going with my girlfriends. The Napa, for instance, I have a, a whole, um, you know, book just about that Napa trip. So I don't want to be like on my girls trip with a notebook and my friends say something. I'm like, mm, scribbling away. <laughs> but so many things happen that I'm like, oh, I really should have a writer's notebook with me because you know, then I won't forget them. Sometimes I put them in my phone, but then I don't like also to be with people feeling like I'm rude. Like I don't want them to think, you know, I'm on my phone and caring more about that. So I feel weird about putting some things on my phone, but that's what I do now. I remember at the Napa trip, we were getting a tour of a cellar. And again, I have a winery series. So it was really interesting to me, you know, exactly what the cellar looked like, felt like, um, what I smelled and all of that thing, because if I wanted my characters to go down into the wine cellar, I wanted to recreate that. Um, so I was like on my phone and one of the girls actually said to the guy who was giving us a tasting, she's like, our, by the way, our friend is like, not, she's on her phone because she's an, and then they explain it to everyone. And it's so cute. You know, she's an author and she's getting all these ideas. And I'm like, thanks ladies. <laughs> explaining me away yeah. as I take pictures and video and, you know, jot it all down. So, yeah. But you're right about the notebook, because even like, even with I, a lot of comedians I talk to, like they'll carry, even if it's a small notebook all the yeah. time for ideas. Really? And I have like so many and I just don't carry them, but I use my phone like you do. Like I'll, I'll yeah. you know, I'll put it in my, my notes section or send myself emails because you don't know when for me, a lot of times it's outdoors with nature, or if I'm on a short run or something, an idea pops in my head. And what odd people are like, how the heck do you remember? I just keep saying it over and over in my head till I get home. Yeah, but you, you want to be able to capture, you don't want to lose that stuff. But that's exactly it because that's where they come from. If I were to sit down and stare at a blank screen and not have any, you know, any inspiration coming kind of from real life, it's really hard. Like, I don't know that I could just kind of spring something up. But when, here's an example. So we were in Napa and, you know, we went out to a wine taste, you know, what the wine tastings look like. And they kind of bring you out all the wines and it was a, an outdoor place. So we were all sitting kind of in the lawn and getting our tastings and a little, a, a kid kind of went running by and he fell. And I paired that with, I remembered, I don't I mean, it was just kind of an odd thing, but that idea sparked that, you know, instance sparked a memory of when this is so random years ago I was at a party in the winter and someone fell going to their car on the way home from the party probably too much to drink and so they started to making a snow angel literally like making everyone laugh around them and then the husband came and picked her up and was like all right you're, you're time to go home when I saw that kid running I thought what if somebody was chasing him fell and then made a snow angel on the lawn, but it's not, you know, winter, it's June. And what if that someone was a girl who's a heroine and the guy who's doing the tasting is the hero. And he's, he's kind of the grumpy hero, which is popular now in contemporary and looking at her like, oh, she's, you know, one of these like drunk girls at the winery, but actually she was chasing the kid and just made a joke out of, you know, fell and made a joke out of it. She's not this drunk girl, you know, so I kind of made her the big city girl who comes to this small town comes to the wine tasting and you know, they have this, this meeting where he instantly doesn't like her. She, he's like the girl from New York city who isn't even, you know, she's not here to actually taste the wine. She's here to just get drunk with her friends. And she was on her phone a lot because she just broken up. Her boyfriend had just broken up with her. She was, she was devastated. 
And he's like, you know, why even come to a winery like this if you're going to, you know, not pay attention to the scenery around you? And he completely misunderstands her. And she thinks he's just like a grumpy jerk, right? Like, you know, what is his problem type of thing? Meanwhile, he just inherited the winery and he's got a huge load on his shoulders. Um, and he's really worried about, you know, making this work and living the legacy. So they have this meeting and, you know, boom, right there's your enemies to lovers because they completely misunderstand each other. But it came from this kid running through the winery. And I'm like, what if that kid fell? I mean, that shouldn't have been what it became, but it was, you know, it's just how, how, how it goes. But that's, I mean, isn't it amazing how the mind works and creativity right. though? And then you flash back to something that you probably hadn't thought of in so long and boom, yes. there it is. And you're connecting yeah. them. So yeah, I, I think done. that's awesome. I mean, and like you said, you can't, you can't just sit in front of your computer and get the mm -hmm. ideas. It's all life uh, that gives you these ideas, which is awesome. Um, yeah, so sure. what, tell us about what, so that was the Napa trip. You have the series that's out. Uh, mm -hmm. What books are out now and what's the name of it? So people can, can get it. Yeah. Yeah. So that series is by my pen name, Bella Michaels. Um, I've released three out of four books. So uh, it's called Grotto Valley Vineyards. And I think I mentioned earlier, so in Caltabloto, we met our ancestor. Her last name was Grotto. So that's the um, one of the family names on my grandmother's side. And so I just use that name as, you know, a way to anchor the family into the series. So it's called Grotto Valley Vineyards, which is a fictional vineyard on the Finger Lakes. And the first book is called Pop and Pour. And that's my grumpy hero who meets this girl from New York City who comes, she's supposed to be there for a weekend, ends up staying and, you know, you can imagine what happens next um, <laughs> because it's a romance. Uh, the next book in that series is called Lay It Down. So they're all wine terms, all of the books. Um, and Lay It Down is a friends to lovers. And it's, you know, one of the guys, actually the winemaker in the family and someone who works for the winery, who's the sister's best friend. And they've liked each other forever. That came out last month and I just released Sip and Savor, which is the newest book. That one is so fun. And also maybe partially inspired by real life, um, the sister of the winery, you know, family goes to a bachelorette party in Nashville and she meets a guy, basically the meet cute is at a mail review. So she goes to, you know, this mail review on the bachelorette party and um, boom, you know, <laughs> falls for this, uh, this guy. He's also a singer. So he's there in Nashville to make his you know, dreams come true, but he has to make ends meet and can't, the singing just isn't doing it alone. And so he does this on the side, makes a lot of money, you know, the male review stuff. And that's all fine and good until they really like each other. And she introduces him to the three brothers that we've met in the rest of the series. And, you know, they're also big Italian family, very protective. They're not su super keen on you know, this male stripper basically dating their, their <laughs> sister. So it, that one is so fun because I loved being able to do the Nashville thing, which again is inspired by a trip I was on. Um, and then coming home to the Grotto Valley. And then the last book will be the one brother that I've kind of saved until the end because he's the real, you know, the real pistol of the group. And that one is Horizontal Tasting and that comes out next month. So Wow. I love the title. Sip and Savor is my favorite, actually. I love, uh, that's it, great. <laughs> I love Sip and Savor. It's a great, it's a great, um, and you know, talk about real life inspiration. I was actually at a retreat with Tina. We were local. Sometimes we do these like just quick weekend writers retreats. And I was sitting there and I was plotting out the series and I was like, all right, I need a, and this shouldn't be hard for me. I have an entire family of names, but I don't want to write my family as heroines, right? Because the heroines like do the sexy things and all like, uh. So I said, I need an Italian name for a girl 
and I want a fun nickname. I don't know why, but I just see her as somebody like, I want a fun nickname. So I'm online looking at all the names and she said, oh, well, a friend of mine, I think it's her son who has a friend whose name is Dominica and they call her Min. And she's like, it's an it's Italian name, but a fun nickname. I'm like, boop, boop, done, right? So I actually have to give Tina a copy of the book because she's going to give it to the real life Min. So, and I was able to write her because I don't know her. So it worked out. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's an interesting point because you don't want like your family members doing sexy no. scenes, right? Nope. <laughs> In your nope. head, you don't nope. want to picture that. No, nope. no, thank you. Pass. Absolutely not. <laughs> so I don't use a lot. Of, I did for the uh, Grotto series. I did use my friends for the first time because I, you know, when I'm writing medieval, I, I really do use names like 13th century names. So I don't use a lot of my friends and I've always wanted to kind of put them in. So in this new series, I didn't make them any heroines because again, even with my friends, I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. So, but there are some of the girls that go on the wine trip, for instance, and then there's another group that goes on the bachelorette party. And I was able to write some of my friends in. That was fun. Oh, that's cool. I like to the point that you brought up. Like, I know that uh, Tina has told me this. You guys take those little weekend, uh, like writing retreats Mm -hmm. that you help one another because you're bouncing ideas off of one another. And that's, that could be so valuable because you might be stuck on one thing and the the other person's like, oh, hey, how about this? And boom, there you go. Yeah. It's so easy for other people to solve your, you know, plot holes or writing problems. It's so weird. And we talk about that all the time. Um, Whether it's a title, I sent a title to an author this morning and I said, this is either really clever. So I'm trying to think of, I have a standalone romance that I'm just starting to plot and it will be um, one of the the heroes from one of my small town romances. The only brother I haven't written about and not the Grattle series. There's I have another series called Boys of Bridgewater. And that series is set in Bridgewater, PA, which is a fictional town. So I have one of the brothers I never wrote his story So I'm doing a standalone where he goes to Italy, kind of an eat, pray, love, but the male version. And, you know, he doesn't really know eat, pray, love. His sister's like, you should do an eat, pray, love to find yourself because he's kind of like stuck in his job. And he's like, I don't know what that means. And she says, well, like to go and find yourself. And they have, you know, family in Italy. So I want to use a lot of my time in Sicily somehow. So he's going to go there and then I'll be able to kind of weave in some of these facts in Sicily um, and that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, that's going to be really fun. But anyway, I messaged her and I said, is, uh, what is the title I was, I, I'm trying to remember. It was just this morning, um, not just a pool boy, because he is going to be, do I remember I told you um, when we were at the villa, there was, I don't know if I mentioned this, a pool or a pool boy yes, or something. Yes. Yeah, I thought I did. So I'm a ma- an American, right? Because he um, met Lucia in Rome. So I'm thinking if my guy goes over and he's the pool boy, so maybe he exchanges he has a remote job, so he d- works in marketing and he could do this. But what if he exchanges staying in the villa for the summer with kind of, you know, helping around the villa and, you know, doing the pool? So he's going to be kind of almost a pool, Italian pool boy, but he's going to meet an American because I really don't want to delve into having to figure out the language to the point where I'm writing it, you know, more than just a few words. So he will meet an American woman. But um, I said, is not just a pool boy really ke- clever or absolutely horrible? And this writer friend was like, yeah, that's awful. I was like, okay, I wasn't sure. I couldn't tell. (laughs) It was one of the two. And without people like that, I don't, I mean, I would have titles, like not just a pool boy floating around on Amazon. So yeah, it's a good thing I've got these guys. (laughs) I don't think it's that bad, but okay. I get get it though. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This morning at 7.30, it sounded so good to me. And then by the time I messaged her, I was like, yeah, I don't think it's great. Now it's like five hours later. What was I thinking? That is awful. But you know, 
that's how the, the brain works. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's funny because last week, well, you, you know, you were at uh, the event we had at the axe throwing place oh, in Scranton, so the ladies funny. night. And I was working on like different jokes and there are certain friends that I will like bounce them off of who aren't comedians, but they're mm -hmm. just creative types that sure. have the same sense of humor as me. And I remember just like, I called my one friend and I, I, I'm like, I was working on this last night around midnight and it sounded, it's, I thought it was really funny. And then he told me like, the, it was funny because he said he, he didn't love it. I ended up doing it and it got some good laughs. So I'm like, okay, but you do have that where I'm like, I, th I thought this was funnier. I really thought it was funnier yeah. when I first thought of it. <laughs> yeah, you just don't know. And without someone to bounce it off of, you're, you're really kind of in your own head all of the time. I mean, I have an editor, so that's really great. But, um, you know, it, it, it was not a good title. It wasn't a good title. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've got a better one coming. So that's good. I um, hope so. I don't know. <laughs> if anybody has ideas, like throw them at me because I that is so hard for me, the title. It really is one of the most difficult parts of the process for me, for whatever yeah. reason. When I decided to do the um, wine terms, I thought, well, this is a winery series. I wonder if there's any wine terms that sound like fun titles. When I found a website that had some of these terms that I really could kind of see go either way, like pop and pour and sip and savor, I was like, it was the best day of my life. Like now I have all of these titles here on this website. I don't have to think of them. It was amazing, but that <laughs> doesn't ever usually happen, so. And, you know, it's funny. You're like, you spend all this time writing and you want that title, obviously to be good, right? You want to be mm -hmm. happy with that. Yeah. It's the first thing that in the cover is what they kind of judge it on. So, mm -hmm. sure. so before we uh, wrap up here in closing, is there anything else? Well, uh, first of all, I definitely, before we close, I want people to know where to get your books. Mm -hmm. And uh, is there anything else though, that you wanted to mention? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I mean, I write in Kindle Unlimited. So if anyone is familiar with that, it's a subscription service on Amazon. And I'm in it because I like to read a lot. And I think Tina's books are also in Kindle Unlimited. So uh, my books are in Kindle Unlimited, but that is to say they're on Amazon and you can get paperbacks too. Again, two pen names, Cecilia Mecca and Bella Michaels. And yeah, I can, I'm on Amazon. I'm on TikTok. Or I'm trying to be on TikTok. It's like, really hard you know I nope. said to my my 15 year old son like can't you just take this over like it's your generation it's like mom it's romance books like no I don't know what to do with that mm -hmm. no. I've so. watched Tina with that and I know oh, it seems hard. like it's a mystery and I think she does great stuff but it's like she said it's a mystery it really is so I'm kind of on TikTok but you know on Facebook and all of that so um yeah no that's it it's so nice talking to you and I I think I was saying this during the event having other people that are in a creative space, whether even though it's, you know, a different creative space, I think more of this, I, I would love to connect more with just other women that are doing this because it, it's my only thing that I, the only downside to this particular career is, um, you know, it's, it's isolating, right? So it's, I loved when I was a teacher, going to happy hour and being with friends. And I, so Tina and I create those kinds of things, but um, I think there is so much power and value in connecting with not just women, but I say women in the space, in the creative space that I really am grateful for the opportunity to be here, to talk to you. Hopefully we'll get to see you again in person because it's just, it's fun to, to do this. So thank you. 
Yeah. Oh, and thank you for making the time. I really do appreciate it. I know you're, you're a mom, you're a writer, you're busy, but yeah, I am all for connections and I think they yeah. are so valuable. And like you said, we're in a different space, but you could still learn from one another. You could still help promote one another. So absolutely. I agree hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in closing, so Amazon Kindle unlimited, um, you do have yeah. some paperback. So it's Cecilia Mecca and Bella Michaels, right? You got it. You got it. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time with me today and your story. And I mean, it's so funny because I, years ago, I was never like Italy was not on my like list that I wanted to visit, but ever since then, I'm talking to so many people who go Mm -hmm. and fall in love. I'm like, I might have to add that to my list. Add it to that list, add it to the list, go to, um, that you can't go wrong with Tuscany. I'm telling you, it's, it's amazing. So yep. Add it up there. And um, you can come with us one day to a retreat. <laughs> oh, I'd love that. I told, you know, I told Tina the other day for London next year, I'm like, I might try to, if you don't mind tag along. Cause I've, that's another place. Cause I was all about France. I got to go there. I got to go to Provence. Uh, I never cared about London, but again, the more that I hear people who go and I watch BBC ghosts. So, and I'm in love with the cast. So now I'm like, I want to go to England. <laughs> that you should. That is, I mean, honestly, that is my first love. It's why I started with medieval. I've always been obsessed with med- medieval England and um, yeah, I, I say definitely do it. I love England and the people, I have a good friend who's a writer, who's uh, also from England and I'm like, listen, I need to come and just camp out there. That'd be a place I would go and spend a month and be perfectly happy. So yeah. we'll see. Maybe I'll see you over there next year because I'm <laughs> definitely going to hit that, that conference. Very cool. Yeah. If Tina allows me to tag along, um, <laughs> if Anthony stays home, maybe I could get in her room. There you go. <laughs> there, there you go. We'll all be bunking together. <laughs> be like, don't mind me. I'll just sleep on the floor. I really, I'm not picky. It's not a big deal. <laughs> All it. right. Well, thank you so much again. Uh, and to my listeners, again, I, I say thank you. Um, so this has been great the past few weeks, celebrating a lot of the local talent we have in Northeastern Pennsylvania. And anybody who knows me knows I'm all about promoting the region as well as women, Scranton girl, that I'm just really proud of what we've got here. Uh, and then in the next few weeks, we've got some scary stuff coming up with Halloween. I've got some scary stories that I'm working on. Uh, so I hope you'll stay tuned. And as I always say, I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart and the bottom of my wine glass.